0: would would you join me and let's let's just take one more request to the Lord today. Just ask Him to open up our hearts and minds to receive His truth with humility and with eager expectation. Would you pray with me? Father, help us to receive Your Word today. The truth from Your Word. With humility and eager expectation. Father, knowing we need it. Father, we need Your Word. We need Your truth. Penetrate our hearts and souls and minds. Father, it's it's a joy to grow in our knowledge of you and our understanding of who you are and our understanding of what your purpose is for us here on this earth. Father, it's a joy to grow and becoming more like our Savior, Jesus Christ, as you mold us into his image. Father, getting us ready for that day when we get to see him face to face. So, Father, would you bless the preaching of your word today? Father, speak into our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, I encourage you to open up to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4 is where we're going to be. Just two verses today. Verses 19 through 20. Dictionary.com defines the word ambassador as an accredited diplomat sent by a country ...as its official representative to a foreign country. Merriam-Webster gives a little bit more lengthy definition of the word ambassador. An ambassador, according to Merriam-Webster, is a diplomatic agent of the highest rank... ...accredited to a foreign government or sovereign... ...as the resident representative of his or her own government or sovereign or appointed for a special and often temporary diplomatic assignment. And not because I think that I can do better than that, but sometimes that just helps to put things in your own words. Let me give it to you in my words. What is an ambassador? An ambassador is authorized by his or her home country to live in another country for the purpose of officially representing the home country or the home king in the foreign country. And often, this is a temporary assignment. Being an ambassador is the assignment of every Christian. Not some Christians, not most Christians, not the special Christians, all Christians. Being an ambassador is the assignment of every Christian. When God saves you, He makes you a citizen of another country we're going to get to Ephesians in just a moment, but I want to look at two verses in the book of Philippians before we get to Ephesians. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 20, we find these words from the Apostle Paul. But our, talking about Christians, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, those of us who have believed in Jesus for salvation have been given a new homeland. An eternal homeland that we call heaven. And that homeland of heaven has a king. And we know who that king is. His name is Jesus. And so in the next verse, we see Jesus serving, reigning as the king of our heavenly homeland. Again, verse 20 says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Philippians chapter 4, verse 21 says... Who, or not Jesus, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Notice that last phrase. Jesus has the power to subject all things to himself. What does that mean? It means that Jesus is the king in the homeland where our citizenship is located. Where we live eternally which is where our citizenship is now there is a king and his name is jesus but god doesn't take us there immediately he doesn't the moment we trust in christ we're not standing in the glorious presence of god now his glorious presence immediately fills our hearts and our lives but we are not there with him yet that verse says that he will That is one day in the future, he will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. That's a reference to us entering into heaven forever, but it's in the future. So here's what those two verses do in Philippians. They tell us that we as Christians are right now citizens of heaven and we will one day live there. That's an important truth for us as believers to 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 grab hold of and to and to really found our lives here upon. We are citizens of heaven and one day we will live there. Where does that leave us now? Well, it leaves us as foreigners. That's who we are as Christians. We are foreigners. Right now, we are living on this earth in a particular country, in a particular nation, in a particular community of people, while our citizenship is somewhere else. Our citizenship is in heaven. So that begs the question, what in the world are we doing here if we belong there? I think that's an important question to ask. What in the world does God have us here for if really... He has transformed us in such a way that now we belong there. Well, God tells us in his word that we are here on assignment. We are here on assignment. We are ambassadors. We have been authorized by our home country, which is heaven, and by our king, who is Jesus, to officially and temporarily Represent our king and his heavenly country to all those who live here on the earth. Think about it. We are here officially. Why? Because King Jesus has commissioned us. In John chapter 17, King Jesus prayed this prayer for his followers. He said this in his prayer. I do not ask that you, talking to his heavenly father, I do not ask that you take them out of the world but that you keep them from the evil one. So in other words, Jesus wants us here right now. They are not of the world, so he don't want us to act like the world, just as I am not of the world. Our citizenship is in heaven, remember? So then he prays this set them apart for holy service to you in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Why did Jesus come into the world? He came on a mission. To save sinners from their sin. He says, even so, I want them to stay in the world. Just like you've sent me in the world on mission, I want them to stay in the world on mission. And for their sake, I set myself apart for holy service to you. Jesus is fixing to go to the cross when he prays this prayer. He's going to set himself apart for holy service. He's going to sacrifice himself so that people can be saved from their sin. That they also may be set apart for holy service to you in truth. He's going to sacrifice himself... For the good of sinners, so that we will be set apart to sacrifice ourselves for the good of sinners. He finishes that part of the prayer with this. He says, I do not ask for these only, those disciples that were with him when he was praying this prayer, but also for those who believe in me through their word. If you believe in Jesus through his word, then Jesus was praying that prayer for you. We are here officially because King Jesus has commissioned us. We're here temporarily because King Jesus has promised to return and to take us home to our home in heaven. He told his followers in John chapter 14, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Oh, what a glorious truth. We are here commissioned officially by our king, but it's not forever. It's a temporary official assignment. But it is an assignment. We're not here to waste our lives. We're not here just to live out the remainder of our lives here on this earth, twiddling our thumbs as we wait on that moment when we enter into our heavenly homeland. We are here on assignment because King Jesus has given us a specific mission, and that is to tell all the peoples of the world about him. He told his followers in John chapter 15, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness about me me because you have been with me from the beginning. He commanded his followers in Matthew chapter 28, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And in Acts chapter 1, he gave this commission. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Christian, you are an ambassador for King Jesus. You and I, we represent Jesus in a foreign land. From the moment God reaches down out of heaven and hands you a new citizenship until the moment that you step foot onto that heavenly homeland, you have one mission that should consume your life. And that mission is telling other people the good news of Jesus Christ, what Jesus has done for you, who he is, representing him well to a lost world. The Apostle Paul knew this. The Apostle Paul lived this. He knew of this calling to be an an ambassador from the moment God reached down of heaven and handed him his new citizenship. In Acts chapter 9, we read about Paul's conversion story. We're not going to read that today. I invite you maybe this afternoon, go back and read Paul's conversion story in Acts chapter 9. It's awesome. That moment where he bowed the knee to King Jesus, acknowledging him as the promised Savior King. And later, Paul recounts that life-altering event in his life. He recounts it in Acts chapter 22. And he tells how God sent a man named Ananias to him in that moment. And Ananias said to Paul, The God of our Father appointed you to know His will, to see the righteous one, and to hear a voice from His mouth. For you will be a witness for Him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. The Apostle Paul knew of this calling to be an ambassador for King Jesus. And he also lived out this calling to be an ambassador for King Jesus. He spent the rest of his life taking the gospel to people who had never heard. And this often led to rejection, to beatings, to imprisonment. But none of those things ever stopped Paul from the mission Jesus had given him. During one of his imprisonments, he wrote a letter to Christians in the city of Ephesus. And toward the end of that letter, he makes a prayer request. All right, We like making prayer requests. He makes a prayer request to his brothers and sisters in Christ in the city of Ephesus. Now, he doesn't ask them to pray for his release from prison. He doesn't ask them to pray for better prison accommodations. He doesn't ask them to pray that God would just go ahead and take him to his heavenly homeland. Those aren't the requests that Paul makes. He makes one request, and it's this. Pray that I would be a faithful ambassador. Pray that I would be a faithful ambassador. So look with me at Ephesians 6, 19 through 20. Back in verse 18, he says, praying at all times. And in verse 19, he says this, and also for me. That words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Notice with me five simple truths but profound truths from these two verses that will help us better understand our role as ambassadors for Christ. The first is this. Ambassadors speak the mystery of the gospel. We ask this question, what do ambassadors do? What do I do as an ambassador for Christ? I speak the mystery of the gospel. Paul wants to open his mouth to proclaim. It means to speak with words the mystery of the gospel. Throughout Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he's written of this mystery of the gospel. This mystery of the gospel is the incredibly good news that according to God's divine plan, God has made a way through the sacrifice of his son to give a free gift of eternal life to anyone in all the world who believes in Jesus Christ for salvation. That's the mystery of the gospel. If you go to chapter one, you'll see that this salvation is a work of God's planning, not human ingenuity. It is purchased by The blood of Jesus, not by human effort, and it is guaranteed by the work of the Holy Spirit, not by human faithfulness. In chapter 2 of Ephesians, we see that this salvation is a gift to be received, not a gift to be earned. And in chapter 3, we see that this salvation has now been clearly revealed as good news for all peoples. Because anyone, Jew and non-Jew, can be equally saved say, what do I say if I'm speaking the gospel to someone? We can think about it using just four simple words. God, man, Christ response. You've heard me say it this way before. I'm sure but just as a reminder to us, God created a perfect world. because He's the perfect God, but humans messed it up when they rebelled against God and sin entered this world. And so we deserve to experience God's wrath. But Christ, the third word, Christ, Jesus, God's only begotten son came to this earth to save us from our sin by taking that punishment that we deserve upon himself. And in place of that, making us acceptable before God by giving us his righteousness, he conquered death through his resurrection from the dead. Now, everyone who fourth word responds, who responds to this good news by believing in Jesus Christ alone to save them will experience God's forgiveness and God's promises of everlasting life. God, man, Christ, response. That's what we say to other people. That's what we share with them. Ambassadors. I'm talking to y'all who are Christians. Ambassadors. This is the message that you believe. In order to become an ambassador. And it's that same message that you carry and that I carry out into this world. It's the message that we get the privilege of speaking to others. It's incredible news. So we ought to speak up. We ought to speak up. Now, recently I watched a little documentary. Actually, I didn't watch the whole thing. I just a few minutes of a documentary. It was about a soldier who was well known for his many successes in battle during the Vietnam War. And he was asked what makes a good soldier and a good leader of soldiers. And he answered with three words. He said, this is what makes a good soldier and a good leader of soldiers. He said, knowledge, courage, and conviction. Those are the three words that he gave. Knowledge, courage, and conviction. You know, I think we see those same qualities in someone who is is a faithful ambassador for Christ. And I think we see those same three qualities right here in these two verses. Truth number two is this. Ambassadors speak the mystery of the gospel with clarity. Ambassadors speak the mystery of the gospel with clarity. Paul asked the Ephesians to pray. Here's a specific prayer that words may be given to me. in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, that words may pray, pray, brothers and sisters in Christ, that words may be given to me. This is the knowledge component. Now, now, Paul's not saying that he doesn't know what the gospel is. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is that he needs the knowledge to speak the gospel with clarity. In a clear way so that others can understand this good news. Paul's saying that every situation is unique and requires us to speak the same unchanging gospel message with the right words for that particular person at that particular time. He's saying eternity is at stake and so I want to make sure that I speak this good news with clarity. The message of the gospel is clear. Paul just doesn't want to get in the way by speaking it in an unclear manner. If you're a Christian, then you know the gospel. There's no way someone can be a Christian and not know the gospel. I mean, that would be like saying that you're a mechanic, but you don't know what a car is. Or saying that you're a basketball player, but you don't know what a basketball is. We cannot use the excuse of not knowing the gospel in order to rationalize our failure to share the gospel with others you don't know the gospel, you're not an ambassador. But even though we know the gospel, we can and we ought to constantly be growing in our understanding of the gospel and in our understanding of how to communicate it to other people so that we can get better and better and better at explaining the gospel to different people in different situations from different backgrounds and with different understandings of God. We ought never to grow tired, Christians, of hearing the gospel of learning the gospel, of growing in our understanding of the gospel so that we are better equipped at sharing the gospel. The good news is so good and it's so necessary for people to hear and believe that we've got to make sure we speak it with clarity. But he says something else here. Our third truth is this. Ambassadors speak the mystery of the gospel not only with clarity, but with courage. Ambassadors speak the mystery of the gospel not only with clarity, but with courage. Two times in these two verses, Paul uses the word boldly to describe the way in which he wants to proclaim the gospel. To be bold is not to hold back in fear, but to speak up with courage. Now, why would this be a necessary trait of an ambassador of Christ? Let's go back to where we started with understanding who we are And where we reside. This is a necessary trait. Boldness, courage is a necessary trait of an ambassador for Christ. Because the foreign land, the foreign land in which the ambassador is living may be hostile to the king whom the ambassador is representing. Right? I mean, where the ambassador lives in that foreign land, those people might not like the king or that country that that ambassador is representing. And that's absolutely the case for us as ambassadors for Christ. The message of the gospel is not a popular message in the eyes of the world in which we live. It's often met with resistance. The gospel, think about this, the gospel tells people they are sinners and thus they deserve God's wrath. People don't want to hear that. The gospel tells people they are dead in their sins and thus they can do nothing to save themselves. Our pride does not want to hear that we can do nothing to save ourselves. The gospel tells us that people must cry out in desperation to Jesus to save them from their sins. Cry out to a man hanging on the cross. The gospel is offensive to people. The gospel tells people they must bow the knee to Jesus as the Lord of their lives. People who want to be their own own Lord of their own lives don't want to hear a message that they need to bow the knee to another Lord. Paul told the Corinthians that the message of the gospel is foolishness to the world and is the fragrance from death to death for those who are perishing. As ambassadors for Christ, we live in a hostile land. Paul knew this all too well. He gave this account of serving Jesus in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. This is what Paul's experience of being an ambassador for Christ was like. Five times I received from the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys and danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers and toil and hardship through many a sleepless night and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure." Even as he writes here to the Ephesians, he says that he is an ambassador in chains. Why? Because he had done something wrong? Not in God's eyes. He was doing exactly what God wanted him to do. He was proclaiming the mystery of the gospel. But in a hostile world, it landed him in prison. And here he is chained up of the good news of Jesus Christ but you know what here's Paul's attitude about it romans chapter 1 verse 16 I love it I was I was we were riding to I think we were I don't know we were, me and me and letty uh, my daughter were riding uh, somewhere last week and uh and I, I said you've been working on your memory verses and she and she said she said oh yeah I think so and I said well, tell me the ones that you know and so she she rattled off a few verses, and then I said, well, you got those pretty good. I said, I think it's time to start learning a new one. And, and so we've got a thousand other verses in the Bible, you know, more than a thousand that, that she could be learning. And, um, and so I was like, all right, God, I've got two seconds to think of another verse that, uh, that I, want, I want her to commit to memory. And it was Romans one sixteen. I said, I want her to, I want her to memorize Romans one sixteen. Here's what Paul says in Romans one sixteen. He says that he is unashamed of the gospel of Jesus, for it is the power of God for salvation. To everyone who believes. It's the power of God for salvation. He is unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, living as an ambassador of Christ is not easy. We will be met with opposition. Some will reject us. Some will hate us. Some will mock us. But I want you to remember two things. They are really opposing. They are really rejecting. They are really hating. They are really mocking the king that we are representing. And the second thing I want you to remember is this. Those who may treat us that way, they are on their way to hell. And so they desperately need to hear the good news message of Jesus, even if they don't think they do. Paul wants us to be filled with courage, wants himself to be filled with courage, so he will not shrink back from the task of speaking the gospel. And so should we. Fourth truth. Not only do ambassadors speak the mystery of the gospel with clarity and with courage, but also with conviction. With conviction. Have you ever talked with someone maybe about his or her job or hobby or family, and after listening to them, you walk away and you say, "Wow, that person is passionate about whatever it is that they were talking about." You ever you ever have that conversation with somebody? You walk away and say, "They they really care a lot about that." Not necessarily a bad thing. You just you are kind of overwhelmed with their passion for what they are talking about. Someone who speaks with conviction speaks with passion. Some of you speak with conviction about different things. Maybe your favorite sports team or your favorite hobby or your kids or your grandkids or your political views or your favorite singer or your favorite band. Right? I, I speak with passion about uh, some of those things. When you hear someone speak with conviction, it's almost as if that person is going to burst open if he doesn't have a chance to say what he's thinking and what he's passionate about. It's as though he's under some sort of obligation to tell you whatever it is that he's passionate about. He's not going to let you go unless he tells you about that thing that he is passionate about. And that's the way Paul views his assignment as an ambassador. Notice the last words in verse 20. He says, as I ought to speak. As I ought to speak. Another way to say that is as is necessary for me to speak or as I must speak. Paul is saying that this mystery of the gospel is a message that he must proclaim for Paul. There's no other option. There's no other option. He has a good news message of salvation from the king of kings and he cannot contain it inside himself. In his letter to the Romans, he speaks of being under obligation to preach the gospel. That's his language there. I'm under obligation to preach the gospel. That Doesn't mean that he spoke the gospel merely out of duty, with no passion. Oh, I've got to do this. I guess I'm, I'm obligated to do it. I don't really want to. That's not what Paul meant when he says I'm under obligation. No, he proclaimed the gospel out of a deep, deep, deep love for King Jesus and a deep, deep, deep desire for people to be saved from their sin. He proclaimed the gospel with conviction, which is the same way you and I as ambassadors for Christ are to proclaim this gospel. When we understand the gospel and experience the salvation of the gospel, it's going to be like a burning message inside of us that we've just got to get out. We've just got to tell someone. When you're passionate about something, you can't keep it to yourself. We're not going to be able to contain it. We won't try to contain it. We'll proclaim it to others with a conviction that lets the world know that we believe that this is the greatest news in all the world. We proclaim the gospel, that mystery of the gospel, that good news of the gospel, with clarity, with courage, with conviction. But there's one more thing that we've got to see in this verse. And that's this. Our fifth truth is that ambassadors speak the mystery of the gospel with complete dependency upon God. We've talked a lot about what we are to do. We're to speak. We're to know the gospel well enough that we can speak with clarity. We're to have courage we're going to have conviction. But brothers and sisters, we can't do it. We cannot accomplish the mission that God has called us to on our own. Often, you know, when we think about Paul, we think about this super Christian who could like share the gospel in his sleep. You know what I mean? Like sometimes I think about Paul, like, he's probably he's probably leading to people in his to Jesus in his sleep. I mean, it's just like coming out. I mean, he's just good. He's a pro at it. He's an expert. He could lead anybody to, to, to Christ. I think it's good for us to hold Paul up as an example to follow. But I also think we should never hold him up as something that he was not. Paul was not able to do anything that he did for King Jesus in his own strength. This is, what, this is what Paul is saying in these verses. He's asking the Ephesians to pray for him so that he will be a faithful ambassador. He's saying, Ephesian brothers and sisters in Christ, this is what an ambassador for Christ does. This is what I want to do, but I can't do it. I need God's help. Those two verses are a declaration of dependence upon God. If you think about it, that's what prayer is. It is a declaration of... Of our need for God. That we are depending upon Him. When we pray, we are saying, God, I can't do this by myself. I need you. I need your help. I need your wisdom. I need your guidance. And Paul is asking the Ephesians to intercede on his behalf. Because he cannot be the ambassador that he's supposed to be unless God helps him. And neither can we. Paul doesn't have the words to say. But God does. Paul doesn't have the boldness, the courage to speak up, but God does. Paul is completely dependent upon God's help to be the ambassador God has called them, him to be, to be the ambassador that he ought to be. Now, I don't know about you, but I find really some really great encouragement in, in, in this right here. Here is Paul declaring his dependence on God and trusting God to give him what he needs so that he can serve as a faithful ambassador to King Jesus. Listen, Christian, God is not upset with you. He's not disappointed in you. When you say, Father, I know what I'm supposed to do as an ambassador for Christ, but I can't. I need your help. I want to represent Jesus well, Father. I want to proclaim His message of salvation to my mom or to my dad or to my child, to my friend or to my classmate or to my coworker or to my neighbor. But God, I need you to give me the words to say, and the courage to say it with conviction in my heart. The king who sends us out into the world as ambassadors has promised to go with us. Can I say that one more time? The King who has sent us into this world as His ambassadors has promised to go with us. After commanding His disciples to go to all nations as ambassadors, Jesus said this, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the of the age listen you can't do the work of an ambassador of christ on your own i can't either but the good news is that we don't have to do it on our own the good news is that god is ready to help you just ask him just depend completely on him let me ask you three questions we're going to close up who in your life needs to hear the good news of the gospel Who is it? Who in your life needs to see and hear you be an ambassador for Jesus? Who in your life needs to hear the good news of the gospel? Who in your life needs to see and hear you be an ambassador for Christ? Think specifically. Think of that person's name. See that person's face. Someone who God loves, who Jesus died for. And who needs their citizenship changed like yours has been changed. But who is only going to experience that salvation if someone tells them the good news of the gospel. And here's the third question. Will you commit before the Lord to pray for that person and share the hope of the gospel with that person? Will you commit before the Lord? Relying upon God's help to speak with clarity and with courage and with conviction the good news that Jesus came and died for that person's sins. And He rose up from the grave and He promises everlasting life to all who would repent of their sins And trust in Jesus Christ alone. What's your answer, church? One thing consumed Paul's mind. One thing. Whether he was traveling the dusty roads of Macedonia, or sailing the Mediterranean, or speaking to a hostile crowd in the local synagogue, or making tents with his friends to help pay the bills, or standing before governors and kings, or laying in the dirt with his body covered with wounds from rocks that were thrown at him by an angry mob, or whether he was in chains in a Roman prison, Paul knew the king who had saved him from his sin had commissioned him to be his ambassador. And so as long as there was breath in Paul's lungs he would testify of Jesus speaking the good news of the gospel so that others could be saved from their sin church may the same be true of us ambassadors speak up the world needs to hear would you pray with me father Thank you for your love that sent Jesus to the cross. Thank you for your mercy that applies his blood to our lives. Thank you for your grace that gives us this salvation as a free gift. Father, help us not keep it to ourselves. Father, help us to remember that we don't belong in this world anymore, but that we are here on a mission. And we are not to sit around wasting the breath that is in our lungs on worldly trivial pursuits. We have an assignment that comes from our King. And it is an assignment to represent Him well, speaking His message of hope, His message of love, His message of grace and mercy and kindness found at the cross that He died on to the world around us. Father, to our family, to our neighbors, to our friends, to our coworkers, and to our classmates. To the strangers, those we don't know right here in our community. And Father, to the very ends of the world. Father, the world needs to know the good news. Father, the world needs to turn their eyes to Jesus. Father, help us to tell them how they can do that. Father, I pray that even over the next week, Father, that there would be many people in our families and in our community that would hear the good news of the gospel because members of Southside Baptist Church love you and love them enough To speak with clarity, with courage, and with conviction, and in complete dependence upon you, the good news of the gospel of Jesus. Father, we pray for salvations. We pray for lives to be changed. We pray for the lost to be found. We pray for the dead to be given new life in Christ. As we speak up, help us, Father.